Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's like you're looking through a telescope. You see where you're going to be. Growing, getting better. You're not the person they see. Can't be mad at Hello, 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 and welcome to a live episode of the Butterfly Evolution Show. I am your host, Tammy, and I want to thank you for tuning in with us tonight. We do have the author, Rodney Jordan, on with us tonight, and we're going to be discussing the book titled Tired of Being Black. So I'm excited. I've had an opportunity to read the book. It is an easy, easy read, very enlightening and thought-provoking. So we'll get into that in just a bit, but I do want to, because I think we'll probably have some new people, first-time listeners, and I want to just kind of go over our housekeeping things. I do need to remind myself to open up the chat line, and I'm going to do that right now, you guys. I apologize. But for those of you who are listening um, by the chat line or if you plan to at any point during the show, you can submit your questions or comments there as well. If you are not a registered follower, it may just be easier for you for tonight's show to call in. The call-in number is 818-691-7406. I'm sorry, 818-691-7406. Do select the number one if you have a question or a comment anytime during the show. As uh As we move forward, I want to remind you again, because we probably do have some first-timers, we have this thing here. We really talk about uh, our thoughts, our actions, and things like that, creating change in our lives, promoting change. And so I want to remind you guys or tell you for the first time, and hopefully you've heard this before, our, our thoughts and our words really do direct our lives. So I love this thing, so a thought and you reap an action, you sow an action, and you reap your habits. And your habits create your character, and your character, your destiny. And so what we do here as as part of uh, promoting change and and also allowing you to see how the mind keeps up with even the smallest things that we do. I had this thing with my son, uh, who's now, of course, 25, I'll tell you, and but we had this thing where we would uh, move the trash can, and it became just a fun game because we would go back to its old location. But what that did, it, it reminded us that our mind was keeping up with things that was going on in our lives, and we were doing things without much thought process, without much thinking, because if we thought about it, we would go where we moved it to. But we found that our minds was just taking us back to where we were used to it being. So much so I started to realize how there's sometimes I'd leave my house expecting to go somewhere else, but because I'm so used to going one way, even when I was leaving and needed to go the opposite way, I found myself just kind of turning that way, so much going on in our heads. So 
we made a little game out of it um, and started marking down. Now, we don't have to do that now because it got to the point we we, we, we do much better at it. Um, I do it here in my home, you know, my stuff still now sometimes, but I find myself now getting much better because I am learning to guide my thoughts, to keep the ones that that send me, that are, that t- tend to send me in the direction that I want to go. And I'm learning to capture those ones that are totally against my destiny, where I want to be. So I'm learning to control my thoughts. Because if you're like me, thoughts can come in your head so quickly till sometimes you think, now, where did that come from? This week, of course, many times I've had to talk myself and say, no, just, I'm sorry, that is not, where we that's that's not the direction that we're we're headed anymore. So thoughts are very important. So parents, if you out there, if you're by yourself, do it and just when you when you go back to its old location, think about how your mind sent you right back to where it was, although you knew that you had moved it. So just something we'd like to share with you. Uh, Rod, Rodney, are you there with me? Rodney? Oh, let's see. Rodney, are you on with me? Yes, I am. How are you? Oh, okay. I'm I'm sorry. We're, we're, I don't think I I, pull, I pulled you in, but not in the show. So did you get to hear everything that we went through? Yes, ma'am, I did. Great. Well, I am going to kind of turn it over to you. This is our, our special guest, Rodney Jordan, and again, he is the author and so much more, but he is the author of Tired of Being Black, and, and I must say, um, it's kind of strange. I'm still trying to figure out exactly. Um, I know, I just remember hearing the title of the book on the radio and as I was getting out my truck, and I just remember thinking, I have to look that up. And uh we were trying to figure out, you know, exactly what radio station, and I only listen to really one radio station. Um, so I, I still can't quite figure that out. But nevertheless, I just think, I think it, you know, some things are just divine purpose, and, and we can't get away from those things that are supposed to be. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce Rodney Jordan to you, and I hope you all have some questions and comments and, and get in on this conversation because it is something that we do need to talk about. It's not a racist uh, book. It's not a racist conversation. It is thought-provoking and hopefully uh, a self-awareness, self-identity, self-check, a self-check. So without further ado, Rodney, I'm going to turn it over to you if you'll just tell us about yourself as much as you'd like to and then a little bit about, you know, how the book came about and so forth, just as much as you'd like before we get into questions and so forth. No problem. First of all, thank you for having me on your show. I really do appreciate it. Uh, I'm originally from Norfolk, Virginia. That's where I was born and raised. I graduated with a um, bachelor's degree in education from Norfolk State University, and then I spent the last five years in North Virginia, right outside of Washington, D.C. Um, while I was there, um, I had a great teaching career there. Had a chance to meet some just awesome people, work with some some, some great teachers. Um, I did get my master's degree while I was there from George Mason University. I currently live in New York City uh, where, I, where I teach eighth grade math. And... Um, it's just been a it's just been a, a fun ride. Um, even before I wrote the book, God has really blessed me um, 
to to see a lot of things, to experience a lot of things, and I'm just grateful uh, for the things that he's allowed me to um, be a part of. Wonderful, wonderful. And you said you teach eighth grade now? Yes, ma'am. I teach eighth grade math. Okay, okay, wow. Okay. And tell us, if you don't mind, how did, I mean, was it the book? Was it something that you thought about a long time or was it just, you know, how did it come about? Were you kind of sitting around one day and and thinking um, about everything that you've been through and what you were seeing? How did it come about? I've actually uh, been wanting to write the book for a long time, but mm-hmm. when I was in my early 20s, this older gentleman that I worked with, uh, he told me to wait until I was um, close to 30, and that way I would have more experiences and be able to write a much more effective book. And so I did that, and just over the years, um, I've just seen so many things, and about over uh, over a year ago, I decided to to write the book, and um, the title. I, I've gotten so many um, so many questions about. Well, are you why are you tired of being black, or do you want to be white? And and so um, the title actually came to me one day sitting on the couch, and, and I went with the title because um, I thought that it would catch a lot of uh, a lot of people's eyes and a lot of people's um, attention, and that they would be uh, motivated to read the book, so that was why I went with the title. Okay. Do you find that some people also, um, and I, I don't know if I'm saying the right word here, but that some close, maybe close-minded people will will not read it because of the title? Have you ran into any negative negativity regarding the title? And while you're going, while you're addressing that, also regarding the title and the cover of the young man sleeping. Is there any is there any uh anything to that? Have, um, there really wasn't. I, I I went with that picture, uh I went with that picture because um, you know, as you can see he's sleeping and so that just went along with the word tired and it was um a, a young uh black male and so um it really I thought would would reach the audience that uh was my target, which was young um, young people in general, so um, so that was why I wanted to title. I thought it was perfect for the for the book. Um, and yes, I have had some people to uh, be negative and say, "No, I'm not reading the book uh, because of the title," and that's okay uh, because sometimes people change their minds once you know a few people read it and they say, "Hey, you really have the wrong idea. You you know you might want to to." Uh, take a look at it. So um, it doesn't really bother me. I know with everything, you know, you can't please everyone. And so um, it was It was mainly about trying to, to get my thoughts out there and, if nothing else, get people to at least evaluate their words, their, their thoughts, and their, and their actions. Not to say that they would change them, but at least to evaluate them. Right. And, you know, I, I love the fact what you just said about, um, we we can. It's so important for us to know, especially our young people. We can get caught up in a sense of of wanting to please and do ev- everyone and do everything um, 
and I want to say by the book because I don't want to mislead anyone, but you're almost living for someone else. And if we do that, for instance, in your case, if you if you had did that, then this book would not be here. I heard it and thought, wow, I wanted to see what it's what it is about. I don't ever want to, and I can say there probably was some years before that I probably would have heard the title and thought, wow, how how dare he? But when you open your <laughs> mind and open your life up to again like I talked about early on change we can we miss out sometimes on so much by judging people by their out by the outside and not really getting to know them we can miss out on so much even in in looking at this title and looking at the cover I'm just saying to people don't close your mind up because I I don't I don't know Rodney I searched for him just because I heard the title on the radio and I searched for him until I found him. It didn't take long, and he <laughs> responded. So I'm, I'm I'm thankful for that. But had I closed my mind, there's something for everyone, and we need to understand that we're different. We come from different places. We have different perceptions. Reality versus perception is key. And how you there may be something in this book. I don't have to agree with everything, but if I get one thing out of here that moves me in a positive direction, helps me help me to understand something better, then the job is done for me and with me. Now, it may do something totally different for someone else or for our young people. I like how you wrote it, um, and I didn't catch this right away. I just kind of got engaged into it. But as I moved through the chapters, I like how you started out, I am tired of. And it, as you read that, it makes the person it, it makes it personal, personal for the for the reader. I am tired of so. And again, I didn't get that right off. I got engaged in in other things. I really got engaged in the book so much so that I missed that until I got deeper in there. So I'm I'm glad you said that. You know, you realize that you cannot you cannot please everyone or even try to. You just have to know what's in your heart and know your purpose, your passion, and follow through. You got to eliminate fear, and and that almost eliminate people, you know, so that you can do what you need to do. That is true. So, so okay. Um, anything else you want to add before going through um, any of? And we're not just for our listeners. We're not going to go through every chapter because we do want. I want you to to, to read the book. There's some there's some good things in here um, that make so much sense. And it's good to hear thought-provoking things. Um, I have a question. I know I'm, I'm, I just asked you if you had anything else, but your eighth-grade students have many of your students read. Do you know that if any of your students have read the book? I'm pretty sure that uh, they have not. And um, one of the uh, one of the teachers that I work with um did suggest to me uh today that I should share with them to uh tune in tonight and so I only I only um had a chance to do it with um my last class today but um I did see several of the students taking down the um the web address and uh they said that they would listen. So I don't know if they're listening but um I do hope that by the end of the school year that they do um, get a chance to read it um, because I think that um, we share a lot of the same experiences. I think a lot of the things that they um, are going through now, 
um, in school and out of school, um, I think that they're a lot similar to the experiences that I that I have had. And so, um, my my goal, uh, one of my goals, is to reach as many people as I can, um, and especially young people, um, because I remember how life was for me in eighth grade, and it was it, it was not my best year in school. And so I understand a lot of the a lot of the thoughts that they may have. Um, although I was in eighth grade, I don't know what uh, fifteen or sixteen years ago, but I do understand a lot of the things that that they are going through. And so um, my goal is to to not only teach them math, but to help prepare them for high school and to prepare them for life. And so um, that's the way my teaching has always been. And so I hope to be able to make a difference here in New York City. Okay. Now tell me this. because um, you went through you talk you talk about your your uh childhood and your being rebellious rebellious. Um does that is that helping you? Are you finding that that's helping you be a better teacher? Um because I know the, the relationship between well, relationships have changed altogether, but does that help you by you be going through so much, um, going through that rebellious period, then finding your way back uh, to a place where you're comfortable and doing, you know, doing things better and, and the right way for you? Do you find that that helps you with the with the kids today? Oh yeah, and 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 I explain to the kids because they. <laughs> If you ask any kid that I have this school year, if you talk to kids that I've taught in the past, uh, if you talk to kids that I've taught in the past, they they will probably the first thing that they will say is, "Oh, he's strict," and um, and and so I explain to them that the reason why I'm so hard on them, um, I do not want them to have a repeat of my childhood. There are certain things that they can't control. Um, you know, they can't control where they live. They can't control their family's, um, you know, economic status. However, they can make sure that whether they are rich or poor, that they can have a better life than the one that they have now. But it starts in the classroom. It starts, you know, as a student. And so I try to relate everything that I can as much as possible. I try to relate things to to life just to get them thinking outside of, you know, the norm or, or, or thinking beyond what they can see today. And so I try to relate everything that we do in the classroom to life some sort of way. So my my experiences as a child, even my experiences as, as a young man, um, have really helped me um, as a teacher uh, because I've learned from – the mistakes that I've made, but I've also learned from the successes too. And mm-hmm. and so it, it helps me um, in the classroom or it helps me in the school. Okay. 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 Now they say you're strict, but do you find that after a while, do, do you feel that children, uh, when you are strict with love, when they know that you are genuinely um, strict out of concern and, and true love, which which is going to bring me to Chapter 5, which is probably probably one of my favorites because many reasons, but which is going to bring me to that chapter. Do you find that they, are they 
easy to get do they receive you i guess better you 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 deal with them on a different level because of your experiences and you kind of can relate and a lot of people can't say that they can't really relate to what they're going through because it's one thing to say i understand but it's one thing to say listen i understand because this is this because of this so chapter five says that i'm tired of people making exceptions and excuses for me just because I'm the football and the basketball star, and I love the way you say that. And you get a little bit deeper in, in, into uh, more details about that, um, talking about the teachers and administrators being okay, allowing you to break rules because you bring revenue to the school, and on top of that saying that they love you. <laughs> and it's it's amazing. Do you feel like at the time, when did you realize that? Did you did you kind of see that when you were going through it as a child? Because many of our young people can relate to that being the football star, the basketball star, and we hear so many cases of grades being curved and so forth. Does you know? Are we really saying to our kids, we love you, when we allow them to to get by? That that's actually something that that has really come up over the past few years, and um, I've coached um, high school football, I've coached high school basketball, I've coached middle school basketball, but any kid that I've ever coached um, will tell you, and their parents can too, that it's about academics first if you're playing on a team that I'm coaching. You have to do what you're supposed to do in the classroom first if you plan to play, simply because at some point, whether it be because of injury, old age, you may decide this is not what you want to do it anymore. At some point, basketball will be over. At some point, football will be over. What else can you contribute to society. Now, with the schools taking advantage of these athletes, we see it all the time. We see schools getting sanctioned all the time because um, because of SAT scores or, or anything. And every time I see it, I get bothered, not with the, not with the player, because the player is only doing what the university is allowing them to do or what the high school is allowing them to do. However, if you notice, a lot of times these these issues don't come up until that player has already left the school or is getting ready to leave the school. And then we see on, on the news there's a scandal. But as strict as as strict as the as the as these leagues are, when it comes to grade point averages, when it comes to SAT scores, when it comes to eligibility, how is it that they didn't know that this kid didn't qualify four years ago? Well, we learned with Penn State. Penn State gets sixty million dollars just from football every year. So, and not you know, talking about Penn State, but any school. I think that it's wrong, but these schools are bringing in millions of dollars, and so they are not going to give that up 
just because, oh, this kid can't read. No, we'll find a way around this because we want that money. But in the end, it's the, it's the child who gets hurt because now they're an adult and they have no other skills because it was all about them being an athlete. And they not all of them are going to go pro. Right. Right, not, and, that's, not, and that's true. Right. You know, and so we see it all the time. Yes, they may pay the, they may pay that kid's tuition, but does it really bother you to pay my tuition when, first of all, you know that chances are I'm not going to stay in school the whole time. I'm going to leave the first chance I get. You already know that. So if you're paying my scholarship that might be $15,000 a year or $20,000 a year, okay, that's $60,000. But compared to $60 million, you're not losing a whole lot. Right. And so right. I, I, think that, I think that when it comes to sports, I love sports. I love coaching. But I think we put too much emphasis on the, on the game and not on the book. And mm-hmm. we, we as a society – need to make sure that we give all of our young people tools that will be with them from the time they leave our classrooms or the time they leave our schools until the day comes when they can no longer work, when they can no longer go and and provide for their families and they have to rely on, you know, a retirement check or, or, or Social Security which we know that that won't be around by the time I I get to that age. But, you know, your athleticism will leave you at some point, but no one can ever take your knowledge away from you. Right. And 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 what about, um, right, what about, we have a caller. Let's see here. And then let me mark my spots so I will know where I'm coming back. I'm skipping around these chapters, and I, I didn't plan on doing that, but let me bring our caller in, and I did not say this, I'm sorry, you all, but the way that I will identify your call, if you have a question or a comment, you do have to select the number one. We've had some new people come in. You Remember, you do have to select the number one in order for us to know here that you do have a question or a comment, and the way that I will pull you in is I will provide you with your area code and the last four digits of the number that you're calling from tonight. So know your number. I'm pulling in now from the area code 954 with the last four digits of 3327. Caller, you're on the air with us. Hello, this is Dale Davis. Hello, Mr. Davis. How are you? How are you? We're good. How are you? I feel like I'm kind of on fine. I'm out and about, so I'm trying to not... uh, uh, disturb the uh, airwaves too much. I know there's some wind blowing and everything, so let me know if you know I'm disturbing the broadcast. Um, no, you sound, I just got a quick very question. Clear. Okay, I just got a quick question, comment slash question, and then I'm going to back out because I am out and about um, and just listen. But uh, I wanted to know how he feels uh, about the fact that. Um, the money that the colleges and schools make on uh, sports is what encourages them to ignore the children's education 
um, and concentrate on the sports because the sports is what brings money into the colleges especially and even in high school, certain private schools that run off of donations and things of that nature, you know, they tend to concentrate on the sports because that's what brings in the money. How does he feel um, that that impacts on children, and also what can we do about that problem because I believe it's a problem. Uh, so that's my question and comment, and I'm just going to back out and listen. Okay. Okay. Thank, thank you, thank you, for, thank you for your question and your comment, uh, Mr. Davis. Um, I don't know if the problem will ever be fixed. Uh, I think it's just a matter of greed, and I think when people are greedy, I think they will do whatever they need to do um, in order to get what they want. It's not right. It's not fair. But again, I really don't have a a solution as to how we can change it other than I think it falls back on the parents and the parents need to need to become advocates for their child. And I think the parents need to need to be the ones who step in and say, Hey, no you're not doing that with my child. The parents need to be the ones that step in and say, you know what? Um if my child does not have certain grades, I don't care how good they are um, they are not playing. I think it, at that point it falls back on the parents because you cannot trust um, you cannot trust these schools, these leagues to do the right thing um, because very few of them will do the right thing. I, I know coaches um, who who are honorable, who do take pride in education. But sadly, I don't think that we have enough. I think that um, just like a lot of other things, we get so focused on our own agendas that we forget about what's important. I'm all for sports. I think that uh, I think that sports are a are a really good thing, whether it be in high school, whether it be a, a youth recreation league, whether it be in college, even professional sports. I think that they're a good thing. But I think that it should be something that you do if you are in a in a position to do it. And we don't a lot of times we use it because we think that, hey, if we don't if we don't allow the, 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 the kid to play football or to play baseball or you know or or to swim, then we're going to lose them. They're not coming to school. If sports is all you have to keep them there, then, you know, you might want to find some other ways to pull them in because regardless, they need that education. Even with sports, you still have to be able to read plays. You still have to understand certain schemes. So, you know, you you need an education. There's no way around it. Right. And and this is this is Tammy. Um I also think to add to that, we have to, the kids have to have, this goes back to our show last night, um, you know, those moral values and ethics, We, you, you have to be responsible for yourself and have some value and some worth in yourself. And that has to come from an early age, and or you have to get it at some point and know that, like, like in, in the book, you write, um, 
these people say that they love me, but they're okay with not preparing me for life because what happens if I do not get to play pro? And what happens if I get there and I, I, I totally break something that I really need? So, you know, it's one thing to say you love me, but it's, it's another for you to show me different. And in, and in life, period, we need to be able to see that, whether it's school, football, whatever. You know, we need to be able to identify that and remember, love yourself first. Have some, some dignity for yourself first. And, Dale, again, I think that goes back to what we talked about last night, is really teaching kids values and morals. We, so we have to... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Right. So, okay, and I think Dale is out because um, he's, he's he's traveling. But hopefully we, we answered your question. Um, I wanted to go to, and the lines are open. I see you guys out there. And for you listening, if you're listening um, online, you can submit your questions. And let me check there. Let me just check it to make sure we don't have anything. You can submit your questions and comments for those of you who are listening um through the Internet or through your phones or whatever, you can actually submit your questions and comments. You do have to be a registered follower, but you can uh, send any questions or comments there. I want to go to, and again, we don't want to give all the too much of the book away. We're going to have you, Rodney, give out your information of how they can order the book, your Facebook information, any websites or anything. But this one is the Chapter 4, and you name it, Bob Your Head. I'm tired of writing songs that, Depict, depict women, especially black women, as sluts, whores, and tramps. I'm tired of writing lyrics that only degrade females. Um, and then you go on about people talking. I'm tired of talking about the money uh, in my pocket, what I drive, the house I live in, and so forth. Uh, so important because of the music our kids listen to today. And to take that further on the religion aspect, you talk about these same people who – who are okay with thanking God for the sales of the same music that they are degrading these women in, as if really God is really putting a stamp on it and sending people to buy it, not really realizing <laughs> that, the, that the people that are buying it and are okay with it um, doesn't mean God is sending them to buy it, that that's a blessing from God. So that is, that is, that is, a little bit on that. that. That is true. I think I think that uh, I think that um, we need to remember that there was a time when people enjoyed to people enjoyed listening to um, the R and B music that was that was put out there, or the rock and roll, or the country, or, or whatever the case may be. And I and I don't listen to a lot of. Um, music other than R and B. Um I can't I can't deal with the rap today. Um because one, it just makes no sense to me and two, it's just that bad. And there was a time um in our history where um where we lifted each other up. There was a time when women were, you know, made out to be the wonderful beings that they are. And, you know, songs were about um, making up, you know, songs were about love, they were about romance. But now, you know, you hear a song and 
you know, you just get this really, really horrible image of a female. And then if you watch the video, you know, you get a live picture of exactly what what it is that they mean when they say certain things. And music is very powerful. It does different things to our to our to our minds. It does it does different things to the brain. And so our artists need to be very careful with the things that they write, um, with the songs, you know, that, that, that they produce. Because the main people listening to this garbage are children. And a lot of these children, from what I know, uh, are already children who come from broken homes, who are searching for an identity. And so they hook on to these to these um to these lyrics that do nothing but um tear women down or talk about drugs, talk about sex, um, you know, things that our kids don't need to listen to. And as a teacher, it makes my life suffer because the kid either, you know, doesn't have a great experience at home, but now, you know, and their parents may not be there all of the time because I've taught uh, many students who were raising themselves or were raising their younger brothers and sisters. And so now they're being fed by these dirty lyrics. And so now I have to deal with this child who's coming from a broken home and I have to deal with the child who's now uh, been corrupted by the music that they listen to. And a lot of times it's just because our kids don't have that foundation Um you know, they don't have the strength to walk away because they are just trying to fit in somewhere. And, and if you think about it, life is all about identity. You can't do anything in this country without an ID. People want to know who you are, where you come from. And it's the same thing from a, from a, from a mental standpoint. We all want to belong to something. And a lot of times we, we, we end up falling into um, the wrong things. We end up associating ourselves with, with, the, with the wrong labels because there's no foundation there. There's, there's no identity already. And so we're just looking to fit in. Okay, I don't fit in at home. Let me go and fit in somewhere else. And once you go outside of your home, anyone can, anyone can grab you. And usually right. it's the wrong person. Usually right. it is it is the wrong person. And so, just as a teacher, you know, we deal with we deal with a lot because our kids are exposed to a lot, and so right. they bring all they bring all of that into the to the school building with them. And you know, everyone is looking at us saying, "Hey, you know, you have to do something about this." And we do the best that we can, you know. But it's it's not an easy thing when you're trying to teach a kid how to add fractions. They don't care about adding fractions if they know they're going home and there may not be food on the table. Exactly. Now that I certainly you know, agree with. You. I certainly so agree we, with you. So, 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 so our kids, 
our kids are in a bad spot today mainly because of the negativity that is around them. And you know, and speaking I, of the brokenness. I think it's worse than when I was growing up. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying I think it's worse than, even worse than when I grew up, you know. It so. is. It's, extreme, it's, it's, it's extremely bad. And speaking of the brokenness and bringing it back to we were talking about the music, what it's what I feel the music is feeding is like you said they're already broken and so now they they try to grab on to they try to fit in with what's popular because if they can get mm-hmm. there then they see that it's some type of identity we we were talking last night about how some kids don't want to expose that they know answers to certain questions in school because that that doesn't seem popular that doesn't seem cool to be smart. Um, but they're broken, and so now they're trying to fit in, and, and seemingly what's popular is not making good grades, you know, sagging, cursing, bragging, although you don't have anything, doing all this. You're feeding all, you're living a lot. And so when they hear the music, because they're so broken, I feel like they grab hold of that even more, and it just it just becomes their life. It just becomes the food for their body. It fuels them, so to speak. Um and that's one reason I think they just grab on to it because, like you said, they're looking for some type of identity, somewhere to fit in because they come from, from broken homes. Many of our kids today, just we be honest about it, they come from brokenness. So they go into the world broken beyond broken. And to go back, I, I've missed this part. And, Carla, I see you out there. I'm going to pull you in here in just a second. We have a couple of you waiting in queue. Um, and maybe you want to come in on this as well. I was talking to someone today that called me about the show that we had last night, which is, you know, we're talking about a lot of things that kind of feed into that and off of that. But this person called me from North Carolina and was talking uh, about the show, asking some questions and so forth. And it made me think of what I told him. I ended up, the end result was that, you know, if if the leaders really wanted to fix our education problem, they would. They would find a way. Just like they find a way to curve grades to, for that $60 million um, sports and all that, they would find a way. But it made me think about the truancy law. I'm not sure how many states this is in, but I know that if a, if a kid misses school after so many days, they're going to blame the parent. The parent will get the charge for that. So what they're saying, to me, what that says, and I was sharing this with him, to me, it's numbers. Because you know, the first 21 days, and I may be, that may have changed now, but when I was working in the school system, the first few days were those crucial ones. You had to send that number in because that's how they get their money. And if kids are not there, your attendance is low. We're not going to get money. So we don't care what you do when you get here, but you need to make sure He's here. That's the whole purpose of having to send that attendance letter in and and even to take it further, how kids who are um, of special needs, there's even more money. I don't care what we do with you when you get here. That's why we're going to put you in a different room. We're not going to teach you anything, not even the sound of an A, but just get here because we can now get that money and we can use it on what we want to use. And we can put some flowers in front of the school. We can bring workshops in here where we show you how to go find birds, you know, on a work day, all this. So if if the system really wanted to, they could change. And then the flip side of that, kids are seeing 
this happened. So the very people that they go to school, that they say they're to teach and lead, they see us allowing things like this happening. But we love you guys, and we want you to 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 do your best and live the best life. But we're teaching them what they're seeing from adults is totally different. Look what's going on now. They see us bickering and fighting over something that's for the good of, of for the better of people. So it's so much into that. I want to bring some callers in, and I'm going to bring them in in the order that you came, so be be patient with me. We have a number of you lit up out there. And, again, I'm going to bring you in by providing the area code that you're calling from and the last four digits. I am bringing in caller from 917 area code with the last four digits of 9895, and you're on the air with us. Hey, Rodney. Mr. Goodwin, man. How you doing? Great job. I'm good. How are you, Mr. Goodwin? Yeah, I'm checking in with you, man. You know, uh, you know, being we both here new to New York City, I came out from my suburbs of Dallas, Texas, and, uh, you know, my concern is, you know, I hear what y'all are saying about everything, but like African American male teachers only make up like two percent of the educational workforce, and it's probably less than that now. How, my question is, and my suggestion, my take is, you know, a lot of our kids, a lot of students of color, not just African American uh, male students uh, and female, a lot of students lack male proper leadership in urban areas. Then we, and then you top that, you come to school, there are no male teachers. Like by the time you get a male teacher, if you make it to the ninth grade. Like all the male teachers are like in secondary. You you can find a few in middle school, but you very rarely find any in pre K, kindergarten, first and second grade. When a lot of the boys, especially boys of color, need some kind of male role model. And my take in is like America education system needs to take on initiative to, you know, properly attract African American males like they do for Teacher America and other proper, you know, uh, uh, teacher preparation program to give them some kind of incentive, like we'll give you a free master, we'll offer you some things, you know, but there's no initiative to, like, bring in, like, you're talking about all these athletes. They generate all this money. Most of them don't make polls. Where are they working in the workforce? We can use their leadership. We can use their stories. We can use them in some capacity inside of a school building. It's not a high-paying job, but what it will lead you to is a stable and and, and a very uh, rewarding career if you want to give back to the kids that you came out the same there's area that you came out. So my question is both of you, like what can we do to attract more men of color into the classroom? Mm. Rodney, you want that to is, take that? <laughs> yes, I will. Uh, that, that, is, that, is a great, uh, that is a great question. Um, I know for, for me being a black male teacher, um, there, there was really nothing that anyone had to do to get me in the classroom. Um, it was just something that I wanted to do. However, um, at first, when I was when I was younger, I think when I was in high school, middle school, high school, I did not want to be a teacher uh, because of what you just said, because of the money. And so I had a conversation with my stepmother one day, and and you know, she talked to me and she said, "Hey, this is something that I think you'll be really good at." Um, because I was teaching Sunday school at the, um, at my church. Um, I was tutoring a lot of people, um, and so she encouraged me to go. But I think what um, I think what needs to happen, um, if, it is a, if there is a solution, um, because I don't know, but I think that one thing that, that, that needs to happen is 
schools need to change. And I'm talking about from from elementary school on up. Um, I think starting in in elementary school, in middle school, um, we need to make a profession like teaching more attractive. Um, People always say, well, you know, if we paid teachers more money, then we would have better teachers or we would have more teachers. But I don't want I don't want somebody someone in the next class uh, in the next classroom because we're making six figures a year. Teaching is not that type of profession, and that's why only certain people go into it. Because teaching is a profession that you have to you have to be in it simply because you love kids and you want to to, to make that difference. So um, you know I don't think money is the is the answer. Um, I do think that we have to start when these when these boys and these girls are young, uh, particularly with the boys, and make it a more attractive profession when they're okay. younger. Whatever it takes to do that, I, I I don't have an answer answer as far as what they can do, but I I just think that it's something that needs to start early on. We need to make teaching um, attractive to males. But this is Tammy, and I I feel like num, let me say this number one, and I know I'm 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 hard on on a lot of things and a lot of people, and I'm, I'm really hard on on parents. I'm hard on teachers. I'm with you, Rodney, because if if you are going to choose this profession, we need to do better by taking care of teachers. I I do agree. We need to do better by paying, by supporting uh, perks, whatever. However, once um, a person decides to go into that profession, I hate to hear a teacher complain about the the pay when you already knew. So so you either chose it because my perception of you chose it, and this is just some, not the general rule, because a, a lot of people choose it so they could be off in the summer, every other, uh, all the holidays, real, just to be really honest, that's why I've heard some of them, that's why they choose it. I'm with you, Rodney. You have to have a heart for children and for people. And as a young person, I can remember seeing, I, I, this really, really happened. I'm sitting in the dentist's office with my grandmother, and a lady walks in, and I instantly, I was, I was elementary school, I instantly thought she has to be a Christian or a teacher. It was as if it was this persona about teachers that were so humble and so nurturing and so caring um, until they didn't have to speak their profession. They didn't have to tell you who they were, what they were. You almost just knew because they were like givers and caretakers. Um, now, as far as male teachers, I think you guys are a great start. For you male teachers who, who did choose that profession, knowing knowing that the pay is it's not good, but you chose it anyway. You know, I, I sit here and listen to you, Rodney, and I and I. Just think about, I'm going to get spiritual here, for such a time as this. Because, you know, your life has not been easy. But what if all that you went through could be for you to be sitting where you are now with eighth-grade children that you not only have the knowledge and the wisdom, but you truly understand and you can relate to them. So if you save four people out of a school year, if you save one, if they see you teaching, and if that one person goes on and say, you know what, Mr. Rodney Jordan made such a difference in my life, maybe I, maybe I should consider that. So the ones who are teaching, give something to them to carry on, whether they go be a teacher or the manager at McDonald's. 
give them something to carry on. We do need more more male teachers. I I do agree. I don't know how they how they fish for for teachers this at this time, you know, or why we don't have more male teachers now. But it, I I don't really know how many males are going to college either. Are they really making the grades going on? You know, we have kids who don't go to school. I I know a valedictorian like of the class who did not go to college. Like, how does a guidance counselor let that happen? How do you not, because the parent's not doing it. Could they have did it? Yes, but someone someone missed that. Someone missed that. How does, how does someone fall through the cracks? Because their life is so messed up at home, no one's paying attention. No one's doing it. It's like you said, Rodney, I don't know if I'm going to eat when I go home, but I'm still coming here and I'm working my butt off, and, but no one's saying anything about what they see. Not even the guidance counselor is calling me in to say, have you filled out for something? And back in my day, the guidance counselors met with every student. You didn't get by. And if your grades fail, what's going on? We, 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 you have to, in my point of view, you have to have a love for teaching and for children and for the good of people, especially our children, because they are our future and they are tomorrow. You know, they're everything. So just my little two cents. We got a lot of callers, you guys. Um, <laughs> okay, Rod. Great job, Rod. I'll see you tomorrow, man. Great job. Thank you Thank for you calling for in. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go down the line, so be patient with us. Um, I'm going to pull in our caller from 773, last four digits, 0342. You're on the air with us. Hey, how you doing? How you doing, Tammy? It's Anthony again. I'm good, Anthony. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, the young man's name is Rodney, right? Rodney Jordan. Okay. How you doing, Rodney? I'm doing good. How are you, Anthony? I uh, can't complain. Great show as usual. Uh, great topic. I want to re- refer back a little bit when we, when you guys was talking about music. Um, I think it's important for us to understand music is spiritual. Um, our history would show us that, you know, back in Africa when everything started, that the music was used to get that energy source of a spirituality. Um, the long hair, the, the long beards, the locks, those are like metaphysical antennas. That's how we had our connection. If you study Michael Jackson music, he used the frequency 432. That frequency is our hearing design. That's why, that's why his music was so popular. So when you think about the energy that music gives and what's going on today, you can see why um, our kids are in a rave. Well, not even so much our kids, even people, some, you know, people our age, between 35 exactly. and 50. Because what's being promoted now, if you're paying close attention, Rick Ross, 2 Chain, 50 Cent, Jay-Z, they're all in their 40s. So what is, that telling a, what is that telling a 40-year-old man? Hey, I can be a rapper. So why do you see so many 40-year-old men trying to be a rapper? Because that's the energy that's being put out here. We have to understand that. I that, agree. That's a very good point. And you, and, you and you taught me some things. <laughs> Hey, and you know what, Anthony, um, thank you for bringing that up. And don't go anywhere because I want you to, to, to tell them about who you are and what you do again tonight. But mm-hmm. if, if for our young people, and I'm hoping that we got some young people out there listening or that will listen later on, if you really think about just take wherever you live and think about the number of high schools in your area, okay, just the number of high schools in your area, and the number of basketball players just in your area, 
okay, that are playing basketball, playing football, whatever it is that you do, wrestling, soccer, whatever it is. Now, in your state, now take it away from your city and think about your state. That's your competition. Now take your state and go a little, a little bit further. Take all the states, okay, and, and see, kind of figure out where do you fall in in that number. How do you compete in that number? And now think about what are the chances. And I'm not saying you don't have faith. I'm saying you have a plan. You have a plan that suits your life, not because people are saying, hey, we're going to give you, like Rodney said, we're gonna, oh, yeah, we'll spend, we'll spend 25000 $35,000 on you a year because we're, we're getting $60 million here. We, we can do a lot with that. We can pass you right through. We can go talk to the teacher and pass you right through. But think about your life. The val- Who are you? What do you want? How are you going to survive when they have their money and they're gone? So when you think about the competition and the number of the pe- of people, there's some good basketball players that never went pro. There's some great, there's plenty more Michael Jordans that did not make it because they can't take all of y'all. They, they can't take everybody. So just think of yourself on that level. Number of schools just in your city. Now times, think about your state. And now think about the other 49. Where do you fit in? So, That's and again, with, with the music, I agree. Music music can, wow, music can make some people. You think about, as grown people, you know, you can sit and hear the right song come on, and you crying and don't even know why because of the music. I'm, the words got you boohoo crying. Yeah. You can just do a simple experiment, and I've done it. You can just take heavy metal, uh, your favorite spiritual song, and the, and the hip-hop we listen to. Lock yourself in a room for 30 minutes and listen to each and see how your moves change. It's just that simple. It's not even hard. It's science. You'll see how you may go from happy when you listen to your favorite spiritual song. You'll see how you get a little erratic when you listen to the heavy metal song. And you'll see how you basically lose your mind and even consider maybe thinking about smoking a joint or having a drink when you listen to hip-hop. It's the energy. Wow. It's just science. You know, and that's an experiment I encourage everybody to do. Anyone listening, do it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. I always tell people, you know, do your own research and, and just try these things out for yourself. And lastly, I'll, I just be then I'm gonna go ahead and let you let get off. Um, I'm usually just trying to be a fan, but you know, your, your topics lately have been great, so I just been my my hand been burning pressing one. But when you talked about the male teachers, um, from my understanding, I'm 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 finding more and more research that that's been by design to have lack of male teachers because what do male teachers bring? It brings discipline, and most of our city schools don't want that. Unfortunately, you know wow. you can you can grit a group of men. When I'm done here in Chicago, you can march up to these schools with 20 strong, um, reputable men, all educated, all ready to to be hands on, and they will turn you around. They do not want us in those schools. It goes higher than what we think, and we have to understand it. Now, I don't usually promote my shows, but I'm only promoting it because we're on the same topic. On October 15th, I'm having Dr. Booker T. Coleman. He's been in the Hidden Colors movies one and two, and he's an educational researcher and historian. And he he will explain better than I can what's really going on with our educational system. Um, so I encourage anybody to listen to that show just for that purpose alone. And, Tammy, I appreciate what you do. Rodney, great title. I love it. I'm definitely going okay, um, okay. to get you up on Amazon, Okay, Anthony, wait now. You need right? to tell them, tell them the, um, 
Uh-huh. Tell them how to find your show. Tell them, because you didn't tell them that. And he's going to be on next Monday on, on this show, on the Butterfly Evolution Show, so you can get it again. But tell them how to listen to your show to find out what nights you air or what days you air, because okay. I think you're all over. Yeah, uh, Yeah, I'm actually every Sunday, every Sunday um, on Blog Talk Radio, Anthony and B-Fly Show, you can simply go to Blog Talk Radio, Google, and it'll pop right up. Um, also, you can find me on anthonydcollins.com, all my information there. But this particular show that I'm talking about, uh, we're going to have this historian, uh, Booker T. Coleman, Dr. Booker T. Coleman, is October 15th, and that's actually a Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Time. Um, and I encourage everybody just to listen to what he has to say because just his knowledge alone has really changed my perspective on a lot of things, and I'm sure it will for anybody that listens. But, again, I still encourage everybody to always to always, excuse me, to always do their own research. Um, and that's that's pretty much it, Tammy. Okay, thank you. And, and I'll continue to um, give out that information so that we can get a lot of people, hopefully get people on for the 15th, because talking about it, you guys, is a start. And uh, I so right. agree with you about the male role models that that, that goes back to me saying, if if this if they wanted this to be fixed, it would be. It, it'd be an easy fix. If they really wanted it, they would let people in that are coming in, you know, like unlimited education. They would let people in with what you're doing there, and they would let us in. They wouldn't turn those male uh, male teachers away because, again, I believe, it, the right, like you said, the white men walking in there, th- those little boys wouldn't stand a chance. They'd be scared to come to school mm-hmm. and act up. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. thank you, as always, and uh, thank you for your support, and uh, we'll be ready for you next Monday. Uh, I won't be on the air anymore until you're on next Monday, but Anthony will be on. Anthony, is, as I mentioned last night, very, very positive. I look at his postings, and they motivate me to just do a little bit more that day. So very positive, very positive. So thank you for I all that you do. That. Okay? Thank you. Thank, thank you. All right. Okay, we're going to, I believe, we're pulling Dale back in. Dale? Yep, I'm here. Okay, did you you came back in, right, or am I pulling you back in from before? Uh, I left and came back because I'm out okay. still. But um, I wanted to, you guys mentioned a couple topics that I wanted to interject on, if that's okay. That's fine. That's fine. Okay, <laughs> the first one, <laughs> the first one <laughs> is the uh, last one concerning music. Um First of all, it all comes down, in my humble opinion, based on our research and my knowledge, uh, it all comes back to the same thing, morals, values, and ethics. Um, music is very important because music is a avenue uh, to where you can deliver morals, values, and ethics education. Um, we've done experiments with it. We took a kid who uh, was terrible in history. We put a history lesson to a rap song, and... Um, we had him listen to that rap song overnight, had a good beat to it, and he came in and aced the history test the next day. The kid was terrible in history, but because he loved rap music, he memorized the information in the rap, and therefore when he took the test, all he had to do was recall the information uh, that was delivered to him on the rap song. So, you know, music can be used to deliver education, it can be used to deliver a certain positive mood or negative mood. or uh, and, and positive education can be both positive or negative. It can be used to deliver positive or negative education. So I just wanted to point that out. Music is very important in our culture. 
uh, because it does deliver education and it can be used as a tool to deliver the type of education that we want to deliver. Um, secondly, I wanted to talk about um, the male uh, school teachers. Uh, again, comes down to morals, values, and ethics. If a child is taught the value of his education uh, so that he cares about education, then he is more likely to want to be in the education industry uh, and deliver education. So what we have in our society is we have uh, males who are typically, you know, cast into a certain category and females cast into another category. Females are cast into what you might call the softer categories, education, cooking, cleaning, secretarial, administration, so on and so forth, males are typically cast into another category, uh, the physical jobs, construction, warehouse, manufacturing, or business. You know, we tend to, for one reason or another, I'm not saying it's right, but we tend to assume males will do better in the higher levels of business, management and uh, executive management, so on and so forth. That's not true. Necessarily, you know, it's an individual thing. Uh, uh, there are some males, some of the greatest chefs, for example, are, are males in the world. But for some reason, we tend to associate women with cooking. And uh, also, um, Hillary Clinton will be probably running for president next term. But we tend to associate people who would run the country with males. So things are changing not because they shouldn't have changed a long time ago, but, but because it's only right for them to change. Males and females, certain jobs um, are intermixable, if that's the right term. So I just wanted to say that if we want more male teachers, then what we have to do is uh, share the value of education to our students, both male and female, and that way more kids in general, because people in general don't want to be teachers unless that's just your calling, and usually it's a calling for females. But if we share the value of education to our children, then more children, both male and female, will grow up with that value and want to be an education deliverer. And that's all I wanted to say. Um, well, don't go anywhere right topic. now. I I really got – don't go anywhere. You can't go. I know you're out of bed, but you can't go anywhere because I got to – Rodney, just give me a minute on this one. <laughs> okay, there. Let me go back to the – first of all, let me go back to the – and, I, and I, 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 I'm going to uh, humbly disagree on some of this with you, but it, it's good because it creates dialogue and conversation and more thoughts, thought-provoking. Um, as far as the, the music, first of all, and, and the statistics and the research, you know, I'm all for those. But this, this, there's a whole lot of world out there that has not been touched when it comes to surveys and statistics. There's so many people that those things don't get to. And, but I still respectively um, I understand what you're saying. When it comes to the music, I, I went to a, this, I guess, workshop where I was going to be tutoring kids in math. Um, and I see these kids, you know, learning how to rap. Um, equations or, or whatever, and that was the first time I'd ever seen that. And I was a bit disturbed because, I'm, I'm first of all, you're, you're not going to see that in too many places. Well, I'll say it. For, for me, in 
that in many places other than our neighborhood, the neighborhoods where children who look like my child, and I'm, I'm, I'm whatever you want to call it, black, African-American, whatever you guys want to call it. Um, and, and the way I see that is if you can sit up and memorize a rap, then you can, that's, that's longer than this equation, you can go home and study this equation. My second problem with that, when you go to take the test, this time test, you got to rap the song, a five-minute song to get the answer, guess what? You're, you're likely to fail because you're not going to get through the answers. And that's how I fail. I know some kids may get it a little, they may, everybody is different. <coughs> if it works for those Can kids, I answer that real quick? Yeah, sure. Before you move on, can I answer that? Um, yes. Yeah. We we teach a lot of things by using music in the early years. We call them nursery rhymes. Uh, we most of us learned our ABCs by nursery rhymes: A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O P. Uh, music is a tool to use to educate. Now, what happens is after a certain amount of years, we decide we have decided that hey, nursery rhymes is a little bit lame for older kids. So, you know, we're not going to use nursery rhymes to educate anymore. But the same system that we use to educate our very young children is still applicable to older children and even adults. Music can still be an education tool or rhymes, whatever. Um, it's just that you have to update the music. You know, a 14-year-old is not going to go for a nursery rhyme, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, D but he will go for a rap song, you know, in, 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 or even just music. It's music education. Now, the, if the idea is to make sure that the kid, child or teen or adult even learns the subject, then how he learns it is irrelevant as long as the tool used to teach him is successful. So, in the end, if you take a child and you give him a rap song to learn his history lesson and he learns it because of the history, because of the rap song, it doesn't matter how you taught him as long as he was able to recall the information and learn it. And, yes, the next day it may have taught, took him a, a few extra seconds to remember that particular verse to pull up the music, but in the long run, uh Repetition, uh, we're habitual beings. We're habitual beings. So repetition is important in education. So the more he says that rap song, the more he repeats that tune in his mind, sooner or later you can just ask him, when, what year was Martin Luther King killed? He doesn't have to repeat the rap song. He'll just say the date. Well, Dale, what about it. those who sing their alphabets, but if you ask them what comes after M, they can't tell you. they got to sing it. M. And some of them... I mean, so it works different ways, and I'm not saying music is not a good tool, but what I'd like to see more it's kids a tool. doing It's one of many is, tools. Right. I'd may, like, may, I'd may, like may to see more kids may going may home studying them. those equations and learning them because when they get out in the world, if they choose a profession where they got to, they can't be 25 sitting up in the meeting singing a song to get the answer. But, but may, none may. of us, if, if I ask you what comes after J, you're going to say K. It's not. You know, you learned your ABCs probably through a nursery rhyme. But if I ask you what comes after L, you're going to say M. It's not, you didn't have to go through the entire nursery rhyme to come up with that answer. 
But I'm saying a lot of children, after doing that, they want to sing you the song. And we, even after singing songs the entire year, and what I'm saying is, you you spent so much time. And I, I, music, I I understand what you're saying. I guess we just have to agree to disagree on this one because I just, I just think I'd rather see kids trying to learn equations for those of who 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 can and who are willing to at least try. Well, that is the problem that we have in our society. The problem we have in our society is we're not willing to look at progressive information delivery methods, and therefore our education is suffering. You know, um, just because you learned your ABCs through a nursery rhyme doesn't mean that you have to recite a nursery rhyme simply to give the answer. You don't. You learn it that way, and now you know it. Hold on just a second, Dale, and then I want to let Rodney get in a little bit on this. But it just seems to me that the, the most of the kids that sing it, they always want to sing it, even sometimes to get get the answer. And it just be, could be different for well, the kids. that's not what we found. Right. So, Rodney, you want to get – you got anything on this? And we got a couple and of our callers, so hang with us. But, Rodney, you want to get in on this? Yes. Any comments? Yes. Uh, uh, yes, yes, I do. Um, and I'll try to keep it brief uh, so that the callers aren't waiting too long. Uh, the points that I wanted to make are, are num- number one, the 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 point I was making in the book was about the music that our kids were being exposed to. Um, so that's so that's number one, and our kids are mainly exposed to a lot of garbage. Number number two, I, I agree that music can be a, a tool to help anyone learn anything. Um, however. I think that you have to be able to do uh, to 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 do an equation to to solve an equation or or to do anything. You have to be able to rely on something more than just a a tune or a song, and that and that is coming for, from a teacher. I don't know what the research says, but I can tell you uh, from me as a teacher, I can tell you about my experience, and my experience is. Kids get comfortable with with learning certain ways of learning certain things. For example, a calculator. You give a child a calculator, they can find the answer. But if you ask them to work it out the long way, they can't do it. And 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 I I think that is a problem because as as a student, as an adult. You need you need to be able to 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 work things out or to apply what it is that you know in a way that it shows someone that you truly understand. This is my first year teaching in New York City. New York City has adopted the Common Core standards, okay? And the students are required. It's no longer here's an equation, solve it, choose A, B, C, or D. Now the test is here's an equation, solve it and be able to write an explanation that 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 shows you understand the process or the steps you take to solve an equation. And I can tell you, not not just New York, but all over the country, kids can't do that. They'll say, oh, this is the way we did it in class. This is where my teacher did it. I've seen high school students counting on their fingers to find out basic timetables that I learned when I was in third grade. So music is a tool. There are plenty of other tools out there, and I think that teachers should utilize all of them because we should we we should show our creativity 
But at the same time, we have to understand that the world isn't going to be as wide open as we may be in the classroom. So, yes, you teach them using the different methods that you have, but at the same time, you have to make sure that those kids can function in society. And, yes, if you ask me what letter comes after uh, P, I'll tell you Q right away. However, I have seen I have seen people, kids and adults. You ask them, well, what letter comes after after this letter, and they have to sit. Wait, no, no, that's that's wrong, you know, because they don't know. And so I think that you know, the more work you put into education, whether it be through music, whether you uh, you use concrete. Um, concrete things, I think that the application part is, is what we need for our children to have. And the way that you're going to get that is they need to be able to, one, they need to be able to learn it. Number two, they they need to understand exactly what is going on so that they can apply it later on. Because once you learn something, you can apply it to so many other things, and that's one of the things that I try to teach my students. You know, we'll, I'll throw an equation on the board, and they'll say, well, I don't know how to do this, and I'll show them, yes, you do. But it's, it just looks different, but it's the same concept. And so that's when you know that, you know, you're tapping into so many things. So I'm okay with music or anything as long as it gets the point across, but at the same time, make sure that that, that, that child does not rely on a tune or a song, always. But thank Can you I, for bringing us back, because you, you did say, you know, you do say in there that this music that degrade or depict women, sluts, whores, and so forth, so we got off we got off a little bit. We all agree that that music is not uh, what our kids need to be hearing, so I think we're all okay on that. Can I okay? respond to that, please? Sure, and I'm going to, just for the sake, you go ahead. I'm going to bring in our caller from 901 with the last four of 8046, and as soon as Dale responds, then we'll have you on, too, the caller 901-8046. You're on the air with us. If you'll let Dale go, and then we'll bring you in as well. Go ahead, Dale. Hello. Um, music, uh, the way we promote it, my organization is called Unlimited Education, uh, is one of many tools to deliver education. So I'm by no means advocating that music be the only tool used to deliver information. What we have found is that kids learn in different ways. One kid may learn by actual interaction. Another may learn by textbook and lecture. Another may learn by another means. Uh, But when you've got a room full of children uh, that learn by different means, then it's going to take different means to reach each and every child. And so you have to almost employ every single means for every class in order to reach every single child. Now, uh, as far as music goes uh, as a tool, one of many tools that can be used, uh, for kids who have a problem with uh, uh, being interested, music is a tool that reaches those children better than other types of children. Because if and then we have other concepts as well, comic education or comedy education, uh, that's useful as well. But any way you look at it, the point is to gain interest. 
So when we take that history lesson and put it to a rap song, kid who hates history all of a sudden hears it to a nice beat, and all of a sudden he's interested. So if the rap is good, and I'm just using rap music as one example. There are many different kinds of music that we've proven works, but this is one that's easy to explain. Um, when the kid listens to, to it, it's got a nice beat, the rap makes sense to him, and it sounds good to him. So all of a sudden he's interested in history all of a sudden. And because of his interest, then he begins to learn the words to the rap. When he learns the words to the rap, the way that we learn is through repetition. We have learned in education that repetition is a very good way to teach. We do it with our multiplication tables, uh, and, and we do it with music education when we talk about r nursery rhymes. You say that nursery rhyme over and over and over again. So it's about saying that rap over and over and over again. And by saying it over and over again, it's repetition that teaches. And you learn it. Once you learn it, you learned it. Now, later on, you don't need the music anymore. Someone can just simply ask you. Now, I understand that doesn't work for every single person, but it works for the people who it works for. And so that's why music is one of many tools that we should begin to focus on uh, because it's a progressive information delivery method that goes above and beyond the old-school uh, textbook and lecture methods, which have become a little bit outdated with the introduction of technology and, and other things. People's much, children's minds move much faster than textbook and lecture, in, in, textbook and lecture does. Okay. I'm done. Okay. Well, I think we okay, and I think we all disagree again. That music is music can be used as a as a tool. I'm gonna let our thank you, Dale. Uh, created a, a okay. good dialogue going back. Thank you as always. And Dale, do you want to give any shout out to your show real quick before we get the next caller on? Oh yeah. Dale, oh he might have gone. Okay, our caller um, from 901 with the last four of 8046. You're on the air. Hey, Mom. Hi. <laughs> I wasn't going to say That's my son. Hi, Brandon. <laughs> How are you? Oh, thank you. Doing pretty good. They they messed up my, my order at Burger King, so I'm going back to, to get them hell. But, um. You want to? You are. I know. I know. Forgive me. They, you know how I get when they people mess up my food. But, um, just to, I've been listening to the great conversation, and, um, one thing, I, I do agree with the fact that music is a great tool. And for me, for example, it's one of the fast, fastest ways that I learn anything. And I and I can, of course, go to whatever letter and, and, and be able to, to state the next letter on cue. But one thing that I think is uh, stifling the education system is the fact that we streamline all these students and all of these individuals, these, these unique individuals, with the same patterns of learning. Not, you know, we, we, we get all this great dynamic and this great diversity of people, and we put them in one classroom and somebody before them to teach them in the same manner. Well, the problem is, is that everyone does not learn in the same way. Some people learn hands-on. Some people learn by listening. So, like, just like music being a tool for the learning, 
we have to understand that this is one tool amidst many tools within within our our um, our toolbox of, of of things that we use to teach children. So that that I think is one of the greatest uh, hindrances to the to the education system is that there's five or six different ways or styles of learning. Yes, we only give children one option or one outlet. Uh, to learn, so a lot of people are falling to the wayside, and, and this is why I think a lot of people are, are, a lot of children aren't graduating because they realize that this is a world of diversity. Yet when they come to school, they're forced to be one way. They're forced to learn one way. They're forced to um, regurgitate in one way. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much the, the the sum of the point that I wanted to get across. Okay. All right. And, and I, Rodney, and and, um, and then we're going to get back to and then try to bring it to a close here because I know Rodney's in a, in a different thing. I mean, I really want to encourage everybody to get the book, and I do want to cover at least one more chapter. Uh, I just had a number of things. It seems like the music has been been the the, the one tonight. And we, I'm gonna say for me, and I think I speak for Rodney as well. We, I understand what you all are saying about the music, really do. However, and I understand that there's a diversity so forth. But even more so with Rodney just saying about the testing changing to where these kids are now having to write it out on some of these tests. They're having to write it out. So this is my point, and I'm going to step out here. I, If someone, if this is different, someone please call in and let me know. I can almost bet that kids in different neighborhoods are not learning to rap equations or wrap things. And now hearing that you're going to have to work it out, work these, that means you don't really know. Again, you got to sit and sing a song on 2550 questions that you're timed on a test. I'm not saying don't use this as a method. I'm saying if we find out that you go home and spend as much time trying to learn this equation and studying and working these problems out and that we're not giving you the easy way out, that you are capable of learning these, we know it, you just don't want to spend the time that's needed to learn these equations, that's a different thing. Now, we find out, hey, you've really tried, and you are. we see improvement, but you do better over here, different ball game, different story. But I don't, Brandon, I would not, they couldn't have sent you home rapping a song. I got your rap. That's what I told you. They wouldn't have sent you home rapping to, to solve a math problem. I'm sorry. I would have got your rap and then went out there and got the teacher's rap. I got your rap, all of y'all's rap. I'm, but that's that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion because, again, you can't be 25 sitting up in anybody's boardroom rapping to solve this problem. I'm sorry. Right, but, but Mom, I, I would like to say this. We we learn in different ways, but just because we learn in one way doesn't mean that we express what we learn in that same way. You see what I'm yeah, saying? So even though I, I, might learn, I might learn a concept uh, through a rap song, the way that I apply it is – is different, and I can apply it in different ways. You know, just because I learned to walk without shoes doesn't mean that I have to put on shoes in order to walk. You know what I'm saying? Or, or that I, I, get out that. I just want to make sure that, that the people understand it again, and I don't want to, you know, make it so much about the music, but I want to, I, we, Rodney, you get in on that, because I think we are both saying that we understand the music, but as people who, um, and I don't know if Dale has worked in the school system or not either. I, I've had... North Carolina, I've worked in the school system for great years in North Carolina, 
in Georgia and Florida. And I'm telling you, it's a different it's a different game when you get in the classroom and you see it for yourself. When you start to understand, Rodney, are you are you are you there with me on this? You will be tired of being black, seeing how the system works and how <laughs> kids sit in front of you. You're thinking, no child left behind, really. We need to we need to send you back and learn because you can't function here. And maybe that's another reason that you know no child left behind is for who and what. Because leave don't leave me behind. Send me forward so I can't progress. So it's it's a bigger picture. It's a bigger picture. So Rodney, go at it. <laughs> um, I, I I'll just say this. I, I think that um, I think that. One thing that we have to remember is that we live in a competitive world, and we have to make sure that we prepare our children for what's ahead of them. And they have to be well-rounded individuals. And so as a teacher, okay, we call it different. Differentiating instruction, differentiation. That's what we call it. And as a teacher, I know even when I was in undergraduate school, we learned about diversity. We learned about meeting the needs of every single student. We do that every day. So regardless of what method you use, you know as a teacher because you build relationships with your students, you build a rapport with them, you build a rapport with their families, you learn about your students, you learn their their work habits, you learn their behaviors, you learn these things. And as you learn these things, you figure out what it is you need to do as a teacher to help this child be successful. I don't care if it's music. I don't care if it's a lecture. I don't care if it's a game. You figure out what it is, but at the same time, you also understand that this child has to be able to compete with other children, not just in the United States, but in China, in Russia, in Japan, these children have to be able to compete in the world we live in today. And I'll also say this. I think we got off topic from what, from what, the, from what the point was in the book. I'm okay. I, I don't have an issue with music. But what I do have an issue with is the music that our children are constantly exposed to. That that's where my issue comes in, and I have an issue um, with people just being okay with this. Like, for example, and I don't like to use people's names, so I won't. But I'm sure the listeners they'll, they'll pick up on what I'm saying. We have a lot of leaders in our country who look for cases of racial profiling. They look for cases to, to, to say, oh, they did that because they're white, he's black. You think about um, the Paula Dean story this summer. There were people on both sides of, of the issue, 
but there were a number of people who made an issue with Paula Dean using the N-word. I have a problem with anyone who uses the N-word. I don't think it's okay. You know, Riley Cooper, the, the Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver, same thing with him. We had the George Zimmerman case this past summer. Okay, I get all of that. I get people's frustration. But when is someone, these so-called leaders that we have, when are they going to start a movement against this garbage that our kids are, are listening to? When is someone going to stand up to these people? When is someone going to say, oh, that isn't right? When is when are our leaders going who are black are going to go to these black rappers and do what they need to do to encourage them not to feed our young people these things? Because until someone does, we're going to still get the, oh, it's different if a white person says it. It's different if you put an ER on it versus a, 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 a GA. There's no difference. But we fight against the wrong things or we, or we fight against one side of it. And until we as adults do something about this, our kids are going to continue to suffer. And then then when you watch these award shows, oh, I like to thank God for blessing me with this. God told you to call that woman that name? God told you to paint this picture of all of these women like this? God told you to dress these women up like this and put them on the video? God told you to do that. And you know it's it's just it's just disgusting. It's embarrassing to me that this is what we've come to. It's embarrassing because think about all of the history lessons that we got when we were in in class. And just to jump into another chapter of the book, right? We had so many leaders fighting for us to have the right to vote. Now we don't want to vote. Fighting for us to be able to sit in the front. Now we run to the back. Fighting for us to have the right to go to school. Now you have to fight us to get us to go to school. And and, and it seems like to me we only wanted rights when we didn't have any. Because now that we have them, what are we doing? There are a lot of people who are taking advantage of the opportunity, but there are more people, from what I've seen, that are not. And so that was that was the point that I was making in the book. I get the whole racial thing. I get that that you know it's something that has just been passed on. I get all of that, but let me tell you, when I made up in my mind that I was going to college, there wasn't a white person, a black person, a Chinese person that was going to stop me. When I made up in my mind that I was going to graduate from college, no one could stop me. 
When I made up in my mind I was going to get a master's degree, no one was going to stand in my way. And I worked all year long, not just September through June, but I worked all year long to be a successful teacher. And I watched other teachers do it. And I know so many people who are successful that are teachers, businessmen, you know, they're doing whatever it is that makes them happy. And I teach my students the same thing. I don't care if you go and get a Ph.D. from Harvard or you decide you want to be a garbage man when you leave high school. Whatever you do, be the best at it. And that is what we are missing. We need the old-fashioned way back. That's what we need. We need the old-fashioned way back. When people didn't turn their head when they saw you doing wrong because, ooh, I'm afraid of them. I'm afraid of what they're going to say to me. I'm not afraid of no 13-year-old. You don't, no one was in my classroom but me because my principal gave that environment to me to make it the best place for children to come in and learn. And I take pride in that. But we need to stop making excuses for people. We need to stop making exceptions for people and hold everyone accountable. If you if you didn't make it, because you didn't want to make it. This whole my daddy wasn't there, not good enough. There are a lot of successful people whose daddy wasn't there. Get over it. All and right. I think that that's what needs to happen. The only reason why, or one of the main reasons why, I've gotten to the, the place that I am, and trust me, I'm nowhere near where I plan to end up. But from where I started to where I am now, I got there because people didn't feel sorry for me. I got there because people said, okay, that happened, okay. You still need to do your work. Because they taught me, no one's going to feel sorry for you. No No one babied me. They still held me accountable. And I'm so grateful for that today. And that's what we need more of. We need to stop this, oh, well, you know, we'll give this child a free pass. No, I'll work with you. I'll work with you. But you still have to do it. And just because I'm strict doesn't mean that I don't like you. doesn't make me a mean person. But I am someone who cares because those same kids will tell you that Mr. Jordan is, is strict, They'll also tell you, but he's fair. He's reasonable. If you go to him, he'll work it out with you. And I think that is what we are missing. Right, right. And And, and we we need to go back to that. Sorry, I didn't mean to take so long. (laughs) No, that's okay. You mentioned in your your book, and I don't don't know if if Brandon's still on with us. He may have went back in. But um, you're still on if you are, Brandon. You're still out there. you mentioned that it was a teacher that really um, 
did not give you any slack and said you're not going to get anything for free in here. And I, I feel like what, I could be wrong, but I feel like in many in many cases what that does is is, is it tells that child, I, I believe in you. You are capable of doing this in some slick kind of reverse way that, you know, for those that those teachers that you know care about you, like you said, the kids know that you're strict, they, but they also know that you're fair and they know that you do care. There's a big difference. Yeah. And when you expect of kids, when you expect greatness, you get it. But to me, and I don't want to get back to the song, but i got to go for a minute because people, I think, are misunderstanding us um, about what we're saying here. Once I expect greatness of you and you see that, and not only do I expect it, I'm saying I'm here to help you get there. What do you need? How can I meet you where you are? And we go from there. What I don't want to see happen is, and I know, again, you were, you're, you're talking about this degrading music. Uh, I don't know why we, you know, we got on that and stayed there for reason. But, you know, I, I just see this going somewhere where we, we really don't understand the full story of what goes on. And, and to me, how we are setting our kids up. In this, in this, in these instances, I'm not saying music is not a great tool, but I think we need to try. Um, if again, if you can learn ten songs and not one equation, we need to figure <laughs> out why. I mean, and then if they're testing on on working these out, so by the time you sing the song to work this next step out, you have a thirty minutes on the math part. So yep. that's my point, because it didn't used to always be that they had to work, you know, show your work, you know, but mm-hmm. it, it just seems times are, are, are changing. So um, let's see. What is your – do you have a favorite chapter? Because we've, we've kept you so long, and I know you're in New York, and you are a teacher. That means you got to go to school <laughs> in the morning. Uh, what is your favorite chapter? As we bring it close, what is your favorite chapter out of the book? Um, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really have one. Um, I, I I will say that um, uh, one of the people who um, edited uh, the book for me, Miss um, Maureen Arvai, her favorite chapter was the was the was the one on the the civil rights movement, and just okay. how and 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 just how we've taken so much. Away from such a such a historic time, mm-hmm. and and so you know, I'm pretty sure you would never hear Martin Luther King use the N word. I'm pretty sure you would never hear that. I'm sure he wouldn't call anyone that. I'm sure he would not be okay with anyone calling him that, regardless of their race. And it seems like everything that we that 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 we fought for, that today we have a number of people taking away from from that from that movement. And um, I actually used the civil rights movement. Um, we read an article um, in my math class. Um, I started teaching the equations about two or three weeks ago. And so we read an, an an article on the civil rights movement, and so that was how I introduced equations uh, to the students and helped you know, uh, help them make that connection. So they they got a civil rights lesson, 
they got a reading lesson, and, and then they got they got a math lesson um, as well. But um, you know, but I also want to point out chapter one. Um, this this whole the whole thing with with what you know we call each other. You know, understand that there are differences. You know, whether we're tall or short, whether we're black or or white or Hispanic or, or whatever we may be. Um, but we also need to remember that we were humans before we were anything else. And mm-hmm. that's how we need to treat each other. Yes, I'm black. That's not going to change. But when you, but, but when you deal with me, deal with me as we are, uh, as if I am a human, because that's what I am. So, so deal with me that way. Um, also, uh, one thing I want to point out um, as we look to as we look to close, um, one one of the issues that we have is we tend to make excuses when you have a single mother who has boys, and a lot of times what gets thrown out there is, well, she can't teach him how to be a man. That may be true, but she can teach her son how to be a decent human being. That she can teach him. Mm-hmm. And when when these expensive tennis shoes come out and your child is late to school because they went to go stand in line to get these tennis shoes, you can't blame that on his dad not being there. That's a bad judgment call as a mother. Wow. So I, I understand that, you know, maybe she cannot teach him everything he needs to know about being a man, but she can teach him everything he needs to know about responsibility, awareness, accountability. And at some point, she will, it may not be her boyfriend, but there will be a male along the way, who will take that young boy under his wing and will teach him how to be a man. It's her job to just teach, to raise that boy to just be a decent human being. Teach him right from wrong. Don't worry about, oh, his dad is not here. Okay, cool. His his dad isn't there. That's not going to change. Don't make excuses for that. My mom and my dad weren't together. But it did not stop my mother from teaching me things. Just when it came to life. And showing you some tough love. You know, and showing because, some tough love. Yeah, and showing you some tough love. So um, I want you to, we have, uh, our caller wants to say one more thing. I want to go ahead, uh, just in case, do you have to get off right now? Can you have about, do you have about five more minutes? Five more minutes I'm long. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I, I, okay. I think uh, I think I'm slowly uh, adopting this uh, this New York blood, you know, that never sleeps. <laughs> but teachers don't well, sleep. Good. Then teachers hang on. Then we're going. We're, we're, we're going to sleep, sleep anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we have Brandon back on. He's he's has more. He wants to add. Brandon, you're you're on with us. Brandon. You probably need to unmute your phone, son. Can you hear me? 
Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, this is a, a, a current situation. I actually heard this story uh, today a few hours ago. Um, a friend of mine, he owned a, a gas station. And a few weeks ago, maybe two or three weeks ago, he was shot and killed um, at, his, at his gas station. Uh, he has a son. Uh, and this son, since, since the death of his father, has pretty much shut off the world. He has, um, with, with, you know, with good reason, in, in a sense, how do you deal with the loss of your father to murder? And um, I, from what I've heard from, from the community is that, uh, that his teachers and everyone around him is pointing the finger in his face like, you should, because they don't see the physical manifestation of his pain. They don't see the, the tears. They don't see him, you know, acting out in that sense. But they see him withdrawing away. They see his grades slipping. They see so much, so all these, these different things going on with him, but not the mourning in the sense that they perceive mourning to be. So, it, it, but uh, there was a, a sister by the name of Ayn who was sitting back and kind of watching this go on, and she's seen it go on for the last couple of weeks. Everyone in his face, you need to do this. you got to do this. You know, suck it up. And that's, you know, there, there is a, I think there is a place for that. But at the same time, like you said, we have to understand that these are human beings. And we are, we are more than just mechanics. We have this, we have these, you know, sometimes our emotions and sometimes these, these temporary things can affect our mentality. Uh, or, or how we soak in knowledge, or how we retain knowledge. So, with that, with that being said, we're not we're, we're not going to their world. Sometimes, sometimes we have to not we have to be careful not to invalidate what they are going through because we could be pushing those people to the edge. This this kid is going to the edge of of a collapse, of doing something horrible, and you can sense it on him. But if everyone keeps pointing the finger and, and, and saying, you know, there, there's, there's tough love, but you have to make sure that they get as much love as they do get tough. So what I'm saying is that there has to be a balance of, of that discipline, but at the same time that nurture, you know, that accountability, but at the same time that, um, that sense of, you know, I'm here for you for questions. And I think that's what makes a good teacher, somebody that they can come to off the subject of just, you know, their grades, off the subject of, of did I make it to class on time? You know, ask the questions, you know, why? Don't just punish them, but why are you late consistently? You know, sometimes we are so stuck in our own world that we um, lack the perception to see what this child is going through every day. Mom, I remember when you used to, you know, bring kids home from, from the school. I don't know if you've already mentioned this or not, but you used to bring home kids from the school that you, that you worked with, and they were bad children at school, but they just needed a little love. And as soon as they got that love, as soon as they got that, everything about them changed. Their mannerisms changed. So, with, you know, with that being said, let's make sure that we as educators, as mentors, uh, take a balanced approach to this. Because we, too, are subjective in a sense to how we perceive the world. So, yes, we, let's understand that we have our own, our own world, our own perception, our own way of delivering the message or the knowledge that we ourselves obtain. But at the same time, take a second and observe these kids and look at them and, and notice what makes them tick. What, ask them questions. 
that are that are off the subject of just their their scholastics. And and I think this could be a breakthrough for these children because so many of them. I I remember you know at my old apartment complex, these children are in desperate need of of just straight love. They need that, but at the same time, they you need to hold them accountable. So let's you know not say hey you come all the way here to my way but I'll meet you halfway and walk you the rest of the way. I think that would be a balanced approach, and that would have greater yield or greater success in our goals of trying to accomplish, you know, the elevation of our culture, the elevation of our education, of, of, of the education of our of our children, and of, of the overall community, because now that, that puts some kind of accountability upon the community. Now that this child has lost his father, what are we doing to make sure that he doesn't slip and become another statistic. <laughs> so, that's, um, that's can I, what okay, I want Can to I just brag a little bit, you guys? This is my son talking. Can I just brag a little bit? I'm really being funny, but but I'm, I'm, I am so proud of him. You know, it brings me to a point, and I'm going to turn it over to you, uh, Rodney, I want you to close it out, but it brings me here. It it, it brings me brings us back to God. Um. There's a discern. There's we have stopped seeking God. We stopped serving God, and in that we lose our sense of wisdom, discernment for this for for things like this. I can remember when, as you were talking, you reminded me of a teacher that actually I can give you a couple of teachers that really pulls me through and pulls me out. But one in particular who saw a change in me. Who knew enough about me? Who had who had studied my demeanor? Who knew Tammy enough not to come to me initially? She went and pulled one of my best friends and said, "Something's going on. I don't know what it is, but something's going on." And because of that, she 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 loved. Now she still taught me and expected me to do my work. But she gave me a little bit more attention to the point where she ended up talking to me. I remember that Christmas she bought me a watch for Christmas, and it meant so much to me. And as you talked about, Brandon, the times when I would bring kids home, Rodney, I would bring kids home that, to give you an example, one little girl saying, oh, Lord, many incidents that she had. One in particular, I remember, I hadn't been to the school a month, and she locked herself up in a room and dared anybody to come in. And anybody who tried to come in, she was throwing desks, whatever was big enough to go towards them to hurt them. And I had not been there long enough for her to know me, but what she saw in me was that I truly cared. Now, I got on her, too, but that I truly cared about her. And I had not taken her home at that time. The same little girl ended up leaving the school, going and laying down in the middle of the road while cars are coming because she wanted them to run over her. I would go home and tell this, these stories about this little girl. You know, tell I would talk about her so much so. So when I took her home, my family wanted to know, that's who you're talking about? That's the girl? She was so mannerable, so loving, so kind. I mean, consistently. We would finish eating dinner. She'd get up, wash the dishes. She is she is just night and day. And so it brings me back to here, people. Love. The first and greatest commandment. Love 
conquers all. If you love the people that you hate, if you could find a way to just love, and I had to learn that and I'm still learning, the value of love. Love will bring about wisdom and discernment that you that you don't, because it's, it's, it's God. God will tell you when this child is hurting. So what what happens if we got people teaching, no offense, Rodney, is still hurting, still trying to get over, not really seeking and serving. And are they so caught up and so tired of fighting the school system of how to do and what to do and when to do, no child left behind, and I'm trying to teach somebody that should have been left behind so they could get this. So love is what I heard out of what you're saying. Rodney, we have about five minutes. It is yours. You can close it, say say your last words, and then I'll come and close it back. Brandon, thank you for your comments. And Rodney, you have it. All right. Um, uh, just just to go back to what to what Brandon was saying, I think Brandon made made some very um, very good points, and and um, that was what I was I was saying when I said yes, they they may say that I'm strict, but at the same time they will say that I'm fair and reasonable because that's where that that balanced approach comes in. However, um, they do understand that regardless of what's going on, you still have a job to do. You, If you come and talk to me, then I'll work with you. However, I'm not lowering my standards. My standards will always be the same. The way I, I, I handle your current situation, um, you know, that's, that's totally different. And they'll tell you. I work with them, and so I think that the kids need that because that says to them that this person cares about me today, but this person also cares about me tomorrow. So, yes, today I'm grieving. That's true. We all grieve in different ways. However, I'm going to see you through this, but I'm going to make sure that in the end, you still are where you are supposed to be. I would like to thank uh, you, Tammy, for having me on your show. This has been a wonderful experience for me. Hey, um, don't forget to give out the information of how they can reach you and especially order the book. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I would like to thank, I don't know everyone who has who has tuned in, um, but I would like uh, to thank my colleague who called in, um, and I would like to give uh, a couple of very, very special shout-outs to Lisa Speed, Mike D'Amelio, Le- uh, Leon Bynum. Uh, they have been listening in. Ms. Jones Squires, uh, they have been listening in to the show. These are the ones that I know about because they text me while, while I've been on the line or uh, Facebook <laughs> me or something. But um, I just appreciate the, the, the love and the support that I've received from uh my family back in Norfolk, um, my family in, in Northern Virginia, and, and definitely my new family here in New York City. My book was published through iUniverse. If you log on to iUniverse.com, you can order a copy of the book. The retail price is ten ninety five. The e-copy is available for three ninety nine. You can also get um, a copy of the book 
through any book retailer, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. You can get it through any uh, book retailer, um, and you can also download it uh, to your Nooks, your Kindles, um, your iPads. So it is it is out there. I truly hope that people will read it. I hope that if nothing else, it will cause them to to evaluate their thoughts, their words, and their actions, even if they don't change, but at least look at it from a different perspective. And that was the, that, that was the goal um, that I had in mind when I wrote the book, and that's why I wrote it the way that I wrote it, because I wanted it to be a personal thing, regardless of what color you are, because those issues in the book address every single race that we have. Thank you again, right. Sammy. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And you guys, the title of the book is Tired of Being Black, Rodney Jordan. And we do have a few seconds. I wanted to say one of my favorite, I have several favorite chapters, but one of my favorites was Not Ready for Parenthood. And then right after that, Living, um, I believe it was Living a Lie. Those, and that's Chapter 11 and, and Chapter 13. Um, please do get the book, you all, regardless if you, what do you feel about the title. What we've said here, it is very thought-provoking. It is a great read. Is it? It is an easy read. It is 50-something pages, right? Almost 60, 60 pages, 60, 61 pages, I believe. Um, yes, ma'am. So please, you guys, pick it up. Again, that's iUniverse.com, and it's 1095, right, Rodney? And then they can also pick it up from any Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, and places like that. So Support Rodney. Um, he will be on some other shows. I've already had some people reach out to me about his contact information. So, Rodney, um, with your permission, I, I, would you be okay with me sharing that, some of the other people that do radio shows as well? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. It has been a great show. Thank you all for your patience. Thank you for hanging in with us for two hours. Thank you for uh, everyone who bought um, different opinions. It's, it's okay because we're not all alike, and your opinion may reach someone else who thinks like, you know, think a little bit more like you, and that's okay. We can all agree to disagree because we're all different. We come from different areas, different lives. Again, our reality and our perception is, is different because of that. So uh, be kinder to our teachers. For those of you parents, you have kids. Hey, do something nice for your teacher. I used to always be nice for Brandon. They love chocolate. (laughs) But really, we're laughing about that. But really, when when do something nice. You know, I would always start the school year out with, no, I want to meet you. I I I don't. I'm not. I don't want to wait until six weeks or eight weeks. I'm coming out because I want to get to know you. I want you to know that I'm here to support you. There are things I expect of Brandon. There are things I expect of you as a teacher as well, and we're going to all work together. And you would be surprised what what difference that would make, not even for the teacher, but for your child to know I am interested in what you are doing. So support. they don't pay our teachers enough. Let me say that. So you can make a difference. Every now and then, do something nice. Just, just, just acts, acts of kindness. These, these teachers are with your kids all day, all more than you are, because they're asleep when they're home or playing the games or on Facebook. So, love better, uh, treat the teachers better, and certainly try to be better parents to your children. 
that being said, again, thank you all. Thank you again, Brandon. Thank you, Dale. Thank you, Anthony. I didn't get the name of the person that called that you knew, but thank you to that caller as well. And, Rodney, a special, 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 special thanks to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good night, everyone. Good night. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.